of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. He's uh, checking his privilege in the name of equity, right? That's, yes, that's exactly right. That's what that's what we're going to have to do. So, of course, uh, we're keeping an eye on the rising death toll in the state of Florida after Hurricane Ian, uh, and it's just devastating as as we knew it would be. You know, you 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 see the damage from the flyovers from helicopters and you see what has gone on and you think oh man this is way worse than even we thought at the beginning and and we're just still scratching the surface when it comes to uh repairing the damage done as a nation and so it's really sad what we're seeing of course because it is just untold amounts of damage that have happened people lost their lives they lost everything they own if they were lucky enough to survive it uh, but Vice President Kamala Harris decided oh, to make this about race. Race. Of course she did. Yeah, and, and equity and all of this. So she's doing this interview with a far-left activist and uh, was talking about the approach to relief efforts for Hurricane Ian. And here's what she said, Scott. Is our um, lowest-income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and I'm so women. we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity understanding that we we fight for equality but we also need to fight for equity understanding not everyone starts out at the same place and if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities okay. um, and, and do that work. All and the seals. seals applaud. Yeah. All right. So every time go ahead. I, know, mouth, I know you got something. Another, on your another person registers as a Republican. I'm telling you. Yeah. No, I mean, that's crazy. Look at look at what look at what she's saying. What she's saying is we have some people are going to get aid. Some people are not based on the color of their skin. Mm hmm. Or their income level? Right. That's insanity. And that everybody needs to have the equal outcome. How about just everybody gets what they deserve? Everybody gets, you know, if you lost your house, you get reimbursed for what the value was I'm, that you lost. It is outstanding. It is outstanding that she has so little skill set when it comes to the position she's in. She mm -hmm. has none. She has none. Somebody just sent me this. I got to read it for you. All right. But equality, this right. But equality must be based on equity because equity means equality. As long as we equally apply the equity to equality, then they are equal because they were applied equally. Now, is that clear? 
There you go. That you know what? That, that is actually very a very good that. impression of yes. Kamala Harris. Tip of the yes, cap. Round we, of we get we get great we have yeah. great listeners. You yes. just have to throw in communities and issues. And I like, you know, halfway through the clip there, you heard, you know, well, we talked about communities of color. And women and, and women. I, I know, I know ha- that was also thrown in there. Ha- she would, of course. I mean, how about just in a disaster situation Helping we people out? We try to help people based on yes. what their needs are. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't understand this, man. And, and but I mean, I again, I mean that that what she's saying there, if if all things are equal here, is racist. Oh, sure it is. Absolutely racist. That so you're saying some people should get more than others, more help based than on the others, color of their and skin. they should get it quicker than the other ones do. Yeah, it's like it's like backdoor reparations is what she's talking about. It, it is. It's stunning. She's yeah. stunningly dense. And, it's. Just yeah, and I and I don't care what the color of your skin is. I don't care where your in- income level no. is. If you are entitled to get relief from the federal government, from the state government, through your insurance company, whatever it may be, then do it. And if FEMA needs to clean up its act a little bit more in trying to make sure that everybody gets the resources that they're entitled to, then I'm all for it. But this prioritizing way, who gets it based yeah. on. Skin color yeah. is really something. It really is. It's sick, man. And I thought it was interesting. The female administrator, Deanne Criswell, had to kind of clear this up during an interview on Face the Nation. And she does it because she's, you know, a political animal as well. And she knows who signs the paychecks, who brought her on board. And so she wants to try to make sure that she doesn't rock the boat too much. And she's asked on Face the Nation, actually, hey, what do you think about this? Because there are some. Uh, like Senator Rick Scott out of Florida, who say this is racist. This is this is not the way that you need to be assigning any sort of relief exactly. after a hurricane. And here's, I think this is very skilled McGurkin as a McGurkin uh, oh, connoisseur I'm a, like yourself. I'm an aficionado, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think you might appreciate this. Yeah, look, Margaret, I was on the ground. I was on the ground Friday and Saturday. I was uh, assessing the damage personally and talking to survivors. There are a lot of people that are going to need assistance as a result of this. And one of the things that uh, I have known and I have experienced responding to other disasters, that there are people that often have a hard time accessing our programs. There's barriers to our program. And one of our focus areas um, since I've been in office is to make sure that we're removing those barriers. So these people that need our help the most are going to be able to access the help that, that we offer. I know that the vice president and the president, they share these same values. And again, I was on the ground uh, Friday and Saturday, and I committed to the governor then that we are going to provide assistance to all Floridians because we know that there are people that are just completely devastated from the storm. We are going to be there to support everybody that needs help. Yep. But that, to me, is the perfect diagram of McGurkin. And you define McGurkin as what's Well, it's, it reads left to right. The words basically standing on their own. You understand what they mean. But when you cobble all this together in, in these sentences, it makes no sense at all. Right. And you shake your head because you think you're just not quick enough maybe to pick up on it. Right. When in reality, there isn't anything to pick up on. But yeah, so, so she... It's all just nonsense. So, and the anatomy of, of Masterclass McGurkin is whenever somebody confronts you with something like, hey, isn't that racist what the vice president just said? Right. You say, well, I, this is the basic structure. I've been working hard. I've been on the ground, mm-hmm. which is code for don't blame me, okay? Right. <laughs> I have nothing to do with this. 
Um, and then you say something about providing access to somebody who may be underserved, right? You say, you know, you yeah. talk about communities, you talk about issues and communities. Uh, that's part two. Part three is if you want to circle back to the initial topic, you say, I know they share my values. And then you reiterate, I'm in the thick of it. I'm doing this. Yeah, that's true. Very good. It's, yeah. a, it's a very yeah. neat little package. You can practice it yourself at home. I yeah. mean, just think of any scenario whatsoever. Hey, David, uh, did you wreck the car last night? Well, see, listen, I have been working hard on driving. Uh, I am usually a very safe driver. And look, I know that the vehicle I'm driving is very, very safe. And the manufacturers of the vehicle are very confident in the ability of this car to keep me safe. And so I know I am a safe driver. Right? You didn't. I, I didn't actually cop to anything. No. And then by the time I'm finished with that sentence, you just kind of zone out. Right, because you, you, you can't follow it anymore. That's the art of McGurkin here. No, and it's very true, and it's sort of like practicing a guitar or instrument. It's all muscle memory. You have to keep at it. Right. Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. You then you start yeah. constructing sentences exactly that way. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Legacy Media is really trying to go after the governor of Florida for not being able to predict the future, I guess. Uh, at issue is Lee County, Florida. They, I mean, they just got nailed. Uh, this is where they're going to be finding bodies for days. Uh, it's tragic. And Lee County didn't give a mandatory evacuation order for Hurricane Ian until Tuesday. And by then, it was probably too late to get everybody out. Uh, a lot of people didn't want to go anyway. Uh, but the fact that the hurricane shifted and then nailed Lee County is apparently Ron DeSantis's fault. And this is the opposite of McGurkin. This is taking a criticism head on and explaining why the criticism is ridiculous. Okay, yeah, I and love I, this. I love this. Because CNN, a CNN reporter, starts going after him and trying to get him to, to throw Lee County officials under the bus, all of that. And he just handles it perfectly. Why do you stand behind Lee County's decision to not have that mandatory evacuation until the day before the storm? Well, did you, where was your industry station uh, when the storm hit? Were you guys in Lee County? No, you were in Tampa. So that's, you know, they were following the weather track and um, they had to make decisions based on that. But, you know, 72 hours, they weren't even in the cone. 48 hours, they were on the periphery. Uh, so you got to make the decisions the best you can. I will say, uh, you know, they delivered the message to people. They had shelters open. Uh, you know, everybody had adequate opportunity to at least get to a shelter within the county. Um, but, you know, a lot of the residents did not um, did not want to do that. I think for probably for various reasons, some people just don't want to leave their home, period. They're island people, whatever. But I think part of it was so much attention was paid to Tampa that I think a lot of them probably thought that they wouldn't get the worst of it. So, you know, they um, but they did. And, and I think it's um, it's easy to second guess them. But they were ready for the whole time and um, and, and made that call when when there was justifiable to do so. Yeah, I I mean, I, I'm reminded of uh, when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I can't stand the, the mayor of Houston, Sylvester Turner. I can't stand him. But I defended him. When they were talking about a mandatory evacuation, why didn't you evacuate the city? And it was because logistically, how does that work when you have millions of people who need to get out? Now, Lee mm -hmm. County, Florida doesn't have millions of people, but, you know, uh, but what is the logistical practicality of that? And then the governor in this case hit it, hit the nail on the head. There are a lot of people who don't want to leave. I'm related to a whole lot of people up and down the Gulf Coast who never leave during a hurricane or a tropical storm. My dad's one of them. He'll never leave doesn't evacuate and he because he's going to stay home and protect the homestead or whatever. And I thought, you know, with Harvey, that was a bad idea. He wound up on his roof waiting for the Coast Guard to rescue him. But 
people are wired that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so the mandatory evacuation, are you going to start sending sheriff's deputies down there to kick down doors and force people to leave? I mean, you know, especially because you don't know for sure that it's going to hit directly in that part of, of Florida. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like the governor said, it's easy to second guess people, but you, you have to really put yourself in the moment and try to put yourself in these people's shoes before they make any decisions. If there's something they did wrong, then to me it's not about a blame game. It's about saying, okay, how can we do better? Well, they're going to try to Katrina him. Oh, there's they no totally doubt. are. Absolutely. I mean, they, they, were, they were after him immediately afterwards. Yeah. Uh, on on the, you know how he was horrible and how the response was horrible and yeah uh, that's what they're going to I mean they got they really I mean they this guy is so threatening to them they're going to do anything they can they're going to throw the kitchen sink at him yeah. so be prepared for this because it's going to keep coming oh sure and he's going to keep answering by yeah. the way but I think the people a lot of people aren't that stupid because especially if you're in Florida you understand what the what the state what your local sure. officials are doing and you understand the risks of of a hurricane you, if you've been there long enough you know that there is always a risk that something's going to go sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and again, the people on the ground know what the truth is. Uh, I thought this was funny video that's making the rounds here. A couple of black dudes in Arcadia talking about a gas truck that arrived to help out. And they're praising Ron DeSantis. And this is going to drive people nuts. Oh, this is so good. Okay, I'm sorry, but not really sorry. Yeah, not really. yeah. the Santas is bringing the gas here. All right, we got a lot. That's an ad Uh, right there. That's an ad. That's a campaign ad right there. Absolutely it is. Uh, The Secretary of State says the bombing of those gas pipelines uh, presents an enormous opportunity. Interesting. We'll get to that. Markley Van Camp and Robbins show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. He's investigating who blew up those pipelines. Okay, not he's really. on it. Yeah, he's, he's on it. Uh, well, the Nord Stream pipelines were sabotaged. These are these natural gas pipelines between Russia and Europe. And Nord Stream 2 wasn't operational yet. Nord, uh, Nord Stream 1 had been shut down by Russia anyway. They said for maintenance and repairs, but, well, it was really just to turn the screws on Europe when it comes to that critical natural gas supply as Europe is facing a, uh, well, to lift a phrase from Joe Biden, a uh, winter of severe illness and death. Yeah, afraid so. Uh, So everyone wants to know who blew up the pipelines. And it's interesting now, uh, the U.S. has become the uh, greatest supplier of natural gas to Europe, working out very well for us, at least, well, for the sales of natural gas. Now, those of us who don't like the rising costs of natural gas domestically uh, might be a little bit miffed at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, though, said, hey, this is a great opportunity for the Green Revolution. Got another one of these guys <laughs> saying, you know, with these these critical pipelines getting blown up, uh, but you know what? Uh, that's actually pretty good for uh, 
the green weenie revolution. There's a lot of hard work to do to, to make sure that um, countries and partners get through the winter. Europe itself has taken very significant steps to both um, decrease demand, uh, but also look at ways to um, uh, pursue the transition to renewables at the same time. And ultimately, um, this is also a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous opportunity to once and for all remove the dependence on Russian energy and thus to take away from uh, Vladimir Putin the weaponization of energy as a means of advancing uh, his uh, imperial designs. Uh, that's very significant and that offers tremendous um, strategic opportunity for, um, for the years to come. Hmm. Mm. Strategic opportunity. You know, I know that some are pointing to that and saying, well, this is proof that the United States blew up those pipelines. And I don't know who did. I don't know who did it. Uh, I, you know, uh, there's going to be a ton of misinformation and misdirection thrown out there with something like this because everybody's got something to gain and everybody's got something to lose when it comes to these pipelines being blown. So, look, I, you know, you can make a case for anybody doing it. What is really interesting to me is that when Donald Trump years ago was at the United Nations and warned Germany in particular about becoming dependent on Russian natural gas in particular, the, the German delegation laughed at him. Our media laughed at him. Russia's never going to use this as, a, as leverage against Europe. Come on. <laughs> Oh, he's just being protectionist, always oh, being isolationist, always oh, being all of these things. They laughed at him. And now suddenly what Trump was saying several years ago, and he wasn't the only one. A lot of people were saying it. But when Trump said it, it became this horrible thing that nobody's allowed to say, right? Um, and, and now suddenly everybody's starting to sound a little bit more like Trump. Like, hey, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe it's not a good idea to have Europe dependent on Russia when it comes to their energy supply. Hmm. I was asked this weekend, I don't know if you know the answer to this question or not, but how long does something like that take to repair? The report I saw last week was that they really can't repair it. So what do you like do? A, I guess a new pipeline? I'm not really sure. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, that. It, I, I'm sure. I mean, it seems it's hard for me to wrap my head around the idea that you wouldn't be able to find a fix for a certain section, but it's a major yeah. project that you'd have yeah. to do. Cause you've got something that's encased in concrete. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff that has to go in to repairing something like that. I mean, that, that being said, it is a long pipeline. So I'm, I struggle to, to believe that they would have to replace the whole thing, but yeah, I guess there's no timeline. Then in other words, what you're saying? No, no. Yeah. So what does that mean? Who stands to benefit the most from it? Well, you know, when it comes to exporting natural gas, the United States does benefit from that. Mm -hmm. And if it were an intentional thing, I, but I, the one thing is I don't think that anybody is naive enough to think that uh, it's worth that kind of escalation on the part of the United States or NATO with Russia talking about throwing nukes around Central Europe. That mm -hmm. part, to me, just yeah. doesn't make any sense. But right. Then again, a lot of things happening right now don't make a lot of sense to me. No. Got a news update on the way. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show.
Markley, Van Camp, and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. He's uh, out to stop climate change. That's, that's what he's doing. He's going to go. By, he, he's got a, a, a gigantic freezer that's, that's propped up over the Atlantic Ocean, and he's going to cool down those ocean waters. Is that what he's up to that, today? That, that's his plan today, yeah. I thought he was just golfing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, with Much her, more important work to be done. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sir. Now, of course, with uh, Hurricane Ian nailing southwest Florida, the media wants to make all of this about climate change, even when the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, that agency that runs the National Weather Service, among other things, says the data don't back that assessment up. They say, no. well, we don't... Well, we don't really know that, and in the long term, it may actually make fewer hurricanes because... If uh, it, that's not necessarily a good thing, that could change global weather patterns and not for the better. We don't know what the long-term effects of that would be. But the idea that climate change is somehow fueling bigger and more destructive hurricanes, the data don't exist for that. It, it, just, it doesn't make any sense. And yet we have this constant misinformation campaign that tells us that even though we don't see evidence of it. We know for sure <laughs> that it. man-made climate change is making hurricanes more frequent and more deadly. Now, well, this, this reminds me, and, and I know you're going to get into this, but this reminds me of the Don Lemon analogy. Yeah. Well, I grew up there. They're certainly more fierce now than they were when right. I was there. But, but they're not. Now, <laughs> no, they're not. Now, now as far as damage... It, yeah, there there might be more damage, but that's also because a lot more people are living in areas that get hurricanes. So that's when you have mega cities developing like Houston, Texas, uh, among other metros, Miami being one of them. Yeah, you get more people, you get more buildings. And guess what? If a hurricane comes along, it's going to cause more damage. That's just how it works. But the idea that they're becoming more intense and more frequent is completely undermined by the fact that this was the calmest hurricane season in 30 freaking years. Yes. So, no. Yes, yeah. One storm is not evidence of climate change, and you don't actually have the information that says, yes, we know uh, that storms are becoming more damaging, more ferocious, and and more frequent. That That information does not exist. It is not backed up by science at all. But if you say that, people want to. I almost feel like I got a duck whenever I say that because, you know, somebody inevitably will be like, well, what about this hurricane? What about. You're not listening to what I'm saying. You're not listening no. to what Noah is saying, which is that they don't have any high confidence that global warming is contributing to bigger and more ferocious hurricanes. It doesn't no. exist. No. Anyway, but you know who knows better than hurricane experts? Bill Nye, the science guy, and CNN's Jim Acosta. Oh, my gosh. Right? They're, they're going to set you straight, okay? They were talking about Hurricane Ian, and here's what they had to say. If we don't acknowledge there's a problem, we're not going to get it done. And so I just, I just yeah. want to ask conservative lawmakers to cut it out. I understand that you want to get reelected. I understand that you have this primary system which motivates you to get these, these hardcore conservative voters uh, engaged but look you've just just cut it out yeah no and and bill i mean when we talk to people out here on the ground you know i, I talked to several folks this morning who were saying this that you know we just need to come together as a country bill thank you for 
highlighting some of the issues that, that are at play with all of this. Obviously, climate change is making these hurricanes uh, more ferocious, more deadly, more costly. And uh, Bill, thanks very much for your time. Not obviously. That is complete fake news. Is he trying to lose audience? I mean, is there a draft pick involved? Is he tanking this? Is he tanking this season? I don't get it. The worst guy on TV brings on another one of the worst guys on the planet. Yeah. Those I, two clowns. I feel sad. This is the thing. The, the The bummer about being a millennial is that you know you, I'm only 35, but I have now lived long enough to see a lot of the people I looked up to as a kid just become complete liberal tools. Yeah, they're just. It's and a joke. Maybe they always have been. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know Bill Nye personally, but I mean, just he's going out there and saying that it's conservative lawmakers fault that we can't control the weather. Yeah, well, that's exactly that, what he that's just an said. insane thing to think. That's an insane thing to say. And when when, you know, Jim Acosta comes out there and he's all frowny face. Well, obviously, these storms are getting more frequent and more deadly. That, it's not true. The actual experts say that's not true. And again, well, the, the actual experts will tell you, you know, the, the folks at NOAA will tell you that climate change is happening, will tell you that there's compelling evidence that man is contributing to that. Yeah. But they will not tell you that and it's on their website. It's on NOAA's website right now. It's been there for a while. They will tell you that, no, there is no convincing evidence that, you know, something like Hurricane Ian is caused by man-made climate change. But they just say it as a fact, you know, and and they just get away with it because, I mean, there is a concerted disinformation campaign out there to try to tell people that every time it storms, it's because you're driving a, a pickup truck. And that is an actual insane thing to believe. Well, the the term follow the science has lost credibility after the jackassery right. in, involved with a pandemic. Well, and now you're either preaching the same stuff. You're science deniers. Yeah. Well, I dude. Mean, I mean, I mean, we got we have a situation right now where the people who say they follow the science don't believe that a six week old unborn baby has a heartbeat. No, don't believe that. Or I'm sorry, they do believe that men can get pregnant and have babies. They believe that every time a storm hits, it's because of man made climate change. And I, I, I mean, it is. You're right. The the follow the science thing. That's done. It's it, over. Is stupid because nobody yeah. is actually following the science. Well, we don't believe you anymore. Okay, right. what credibility you had, you've lost. Right. Man. So keep it to yourself at this point in time. Yeah. And you're right, though. When you start to when you, and all you have to do is a quick Google search, or you'll find this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, about the all of a sudden the storms are much more ferocious and fierce, yeah. and there's more of them and. Well, and even last week on CNN, Don Lemon, you mentioned him, asked yeah. a climatologist at the Hurricane Center, like, hey, what uh, what role does climate change play in this? And he very politely smacked him down and just said, well, you really can't look at one storm and say well, that's can't. climate change. No. Uh, that's not that's not how any of this works, period. But but Don knows because he lived there. Right, <laughs> right, Don. Okay. <laughs> he says, yeah, I grew up there. I know these storms are getting <laughs> more frequent. Worse. But, yes, he but, knows. But they're not yeah. actually getting more frequent. Anyway, yeah, moving on. California is seeing gas prices go up at a record clip again. And the governor of uh, California, Gavin Newsom, says it's because of corporate greed. Well, of course it is. It's, you it, knew that. Yeah. He, and, you know, speaking of disinformation, here is what the governor of California said. Gas prices in California have increased by a record 84 cents per gallon in just over one week. That's a $2.50 difference compared to U.S. prices. 
It just doesn't add up. The degree of divergence from the national prices has never happened before. And oil companies, they provide no explanation. The fact is, they're ripping you off. Their record profits are coming at your expense. And that's why today I'm calling for a windfall tax to ensure these profits go directly back to help millions of Californians who are paying for this oil company extortion. We're not going to stand by, stand by while greedy oil companies fleece Californians. Yeah, what a badass he is. Yeah, huh? ta- yes. Tax your way out of this. That's now, right. Do you know what's really happening, Scott? Spent, spent a bit of time looking at this to try to figure out what was going on really. So, one, the reason why gas prices are higher in California than pretty much anywhere else is because high state taxes on fuel. Also, oil companies are selling off refineries because it's not worth doing business in California anymore. It's basically you can you can devote tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars into into bringing oil refineries up to the new green weenie code or you can cut bait. And a lot of companies have decided to cut bait. It's not worth it to do what California wants them to do. So they've got about 10 refineries left in the state of California. Four of them had to be shut down due to technical issues. So if one of those of the 10 goes down, price increases are going to happen and it's going to be very noticeable. Now you got four. And well, this is this is what happens when you try to transition away from a from oil and gas so quickly. You're, there's a reason why California is an outlier outside of the United or in within the United States, and it has nothing to do with corporate greed. Again, I don't want to be here saying that you know oil companies are run by saints. No, no, they want to make money, and that and absolutely they're going to make their money. And part of that is well involves making business decisions like whether or not you want to have refineries in a state that tells you they don't want you there. And so they said, okay, oh, never mind then. I guess instead of upgrading this facility, we're just going to try to sell it off. And in fact, there was one company that was trying to sell a refinery and no one would buy it because no one wanted to spend the money to upgrade it in order to do business in the state of California. Yeah, it's on eBay now. The bidding ends in two weeks. (laughs) I will buy it for $1. (laughs) That's right. Fine, whatever. (laughs) I own an oil refinery. I don't know You take it. Yeah. Yeah. But... But yeah, I mean, this is this is the price of bad policy. This is what happens when you decide that something that is critical to our infrastructure and our quality of life is not really that critical, and you sacrifice it for this green weenie ideology. And so, you know, <laughs> he talks about calling for a windfall tax. What the hell do you think is going to happen to to the price of oil and gas if you start having an extra tax on profits? Mm-hmm. The oil company's not going to sit there and say, oh, well, I guess we're going to have to take that one in the shorts. Right. Like it or not, they're going to raise prices. They're going to figure out a way to write that off. So instead of actually rolling back bad policy, what he wants to do is just talk about corporate greed, which is par for the course with the Democratic Party. They're all bystanders, right? That anytime something goes bad, it's somebody else's fault. It's not because of anything they did, not because of anything state lawmakers or, or federal lawmakers did. It's all happening to them. And so they think they're going to be able to somehow tax their way out of high gas prices. It is despicable. Uh, Meanwhile, oh, we have an update here, and uh, we don't have time to flesh this out right now. Update on the Senate race in Pennsylvania. John Federer, walking vegetable. Oh, gosh dang. 
I saw this. Dude, this is insane. Oh, man. All right, we'll get to this audio. You're going to want to stick around for that. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment trying to figure out what John Fetterman is trying to say all the time. It's a full-time <laughs> job, honestly. Oh, That's, my God. Yeah. So the Democrat running against Dr. Oz in the Pennsylvania Senate race is John Fetterman. He had a massive stroke earlier this year, and he struggles to speak. His own campaign says one of the reasons why he wasn't eager to do debates is because he's easily startled by bright lights and loud noises. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's good to be in the United States Senate. Senate. Okay, cool. Uh, And we're not supposed to notice any of these quirks because that's mean or something. Now, Fetterman was on MSNBC with Chris Hayes, and here's how the interview started. Unbelievable. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The fact that none of this is called out by Chris Hayes shows you how deep in the tank he is for the Democratic Party, yeah. man. This is crazy. I've not gotten an opportunity to speak to you on air uh, since your, your stroke uh, and since your primary victory. And first, I just wanted to check in and see how, how you're feeling and how you're doing. I'm doing, fa- I'm doing fantastic. And, and uh, it's not about kicking balls uh, in the authority or anything, but I, I always like to say that if Dr. Oz says something and I can sell it on T-shirts and raise money for our campaign, then it's it's a good day for us. <laughs> Whether it's k- kicking balls or, or crudités, we, we actually made half a million dollars off crudités. So, so you know, th- thank you, Dr. Oz. <laughs> uh, more, more seriously, um, this is obviously going to be a close <laughs> okay. race. He said kicking meh, in the authority and you don't stop him and say, what do you mean by that? So, That's a very inside campaign thing. And what happened was Dr. Oz had said it. uh, John Fetterman looks like or dresses like he's trying to kick authority in the in the in the crackers. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Fetterman campaign has turned that into a slogan. Um, Although I will say one of the one of the uh, videos they put out has two stick figures like one of them's kicking the other one in between the legs yeah now both stick figures are black which given you know john fetterman's history of running Mm. down a black guy armed with a shotgun right seems very racially insensitive to me personally at least he he enjoys apparently assaulting black men weird uh but i mean but that's just a perfect example of how the guy can't really form sentences right now because of his stroke you know i'm still the answer to there was the question was how are you doing? Yeah, that was <laughs> <Right>. the question. <laughs> yeah, how are I've you not doing? I've gotten an opportunity to speak to you on air yeah. uh, since your your stroke. So how are you uh, doing? Since your primary victory, and at first I just wanted to check in and see how how you're feeling and how you're doing. Yeah, okay. I'm doing fa- I'm doing fantastic. Okay, and, and there and uh, it's not about you know, kicking balls uh, in the authority or anything. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. It's about popsicle sticks and gophers burrowing in my backyard. <laughs> what, what's going on? I mean, 
My gosh, man. How can Oz lose to this guy? I mean. How is that? I mean, I know Oz is not the greatest candidate, but holy smokes, man. I don't don't know that he will lose. I I think, you know, the the Fetterman campaign is basically taking a page out of the Biden 2020 playbook and just putting him only on very, very, very friendly media outlets with very, very, very friendly hosts who can hear him say kicking balls in the authority. Right. Well, and okay. not stop him and say, no. oh, what did you mean by that? What? What? And what yeah. was the second thing? Talking about crudite. Yeah, what is that about? Dr. Oz, I, don't, I don't even know what this is about. So Dr. Oz had made this video going to a grocery store where he talked oh, about I remember that. crudite, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Like he was buying vegetables or something. And yeah. John Fetterman made it this like sort of classist thing. And I guess it worked on some people. I, I suppose it did because if he well, did. It was a dumb ad. I mean, I'll go I with guess. that. I guess. I mean, yeah. I whatever you know who cares but i mean again john fetterman is one of the biggest posers in holly or in hollywood in in, uh, well, in yeah. washington because this is a guy who lived off of an allowance from mom and dad until he was almost 50 yes so him talking about well i don't know what crudite is oh please you poser golly all right. Well, you know, you'll be kicking balls in the authority, I guess, come <laughs> November. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. Now, we've noticed something, uh, and I think you put it very well, Scott, uh, with Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to Katrina this guy. Oh, absolutely is. they are. Yeah. Because they they're, hate They're already him. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So anything that goes wrong in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian is going to be, you know, because of incompetence or whatever from the office of the governor. Not oh, was really. he really at a football game Friday night? Because I don't even know if that's true or not. Oh, that was the weekend was, before? Was it, maybe it was the weekend before, yeah. Uh, maybe. Or this weekend. I don't yeah. even know. I don't even know. I just know that that's one of the arrows that's being slung at him now. Okay. He's at a football game. What <laughs> yeah, and a hurricane landed like three days after or something like that. So, yeah, it was yeah. something weird. Okay. I don't know. It was so bizarre what? world. But these yeah. guys, this is what I'm telling you, man, we have not seen near the end of it yet. Yeah. Because they are going to go nuts here. Oh, yes. yeah. And they're going after uh, Ron DeSantis for not being able to predict the future. At issue is, uh, in particular, Lee County, which uh, didn't give the mandatory evacuation order for Hurricane Ian until Tuesday. Um, and by then, I mean, there are just a lot of people who weren't able to get out or didn't want to get out. You know, what people, I think, miss in large part, and I'll just speak to this as someone who grew up on the Gulf Coast, there are a whole lot of people who don't want to leave. They, they, you know, they hear the evacuation order or whatever, and they think, oh, I've been through this before. I'm just going to ride it out. I've ridden out this hurricane, this tropical storm, whatever. They, they just don't want to leave. You know, I grew up in the Midwest, and the same thing is true with tornadoes. Yeah. Some people are just going to sit out in their front porch and watch it. Right. 
are, are going to go, eh, they don't know what they're talking they, about kind of thing, right? Or, or they hear yeah. the tornado sirens going off and they go outside yeah. to film it. Right, with their video, yes. Right. I, I mean, I mean they, that, just, that, that sh- they just do that. Yeah, when it's part of your ex- everyday existence. Get in right. your basement, get in your basement, go to shelter. Ah, I'm going to be on my porch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it happens. And um, people don't want to leave their homes. You're right. They just don't want to leave their homes because for a variety of reasons. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's because maybe one time years ago they did evacuate, the storm missed, and then they realized they spent a lot of time and effort and money and frustration trying to get out. Mm-hmm. Like it was several years ago. It was right after Katrina, the next big storm that was bearing down on the Texas coast this time. Uh, and my mom and, and my stepdad were part of this group. Millions of people were trying to leave Houston. Uh, on I-10 going west. They wanted to, They opened up both sides of the, the highway and everything. Everybody's trying to leave. There were people running out of gas because the line, mm. the, the traffic was so bad. Yeah. You, know, you were just sitting there for hours. It took them hours to basically just get past the outskirts of West Houston, like the suburbs, mm-hmm. um, like outside of Katy and, and things like that, if you're familiar with the region at all. And so you know, a lot of people in Houston, the next time a storm rolled around, remembered that because the storm wound up not hitting Houston and they felt like fools for leaving because you don't know what these things are going to do at the last minute. Right. And so, you know, you, you can get complacent, you can get, you know, or, or you just think it's not worth it. And I'd rather be here in case looters show up, whatever. People just, I think a lot of people don't understand that that's the mentality for for many many people who live on the coasts, uh, in the in sort of that alley where hurricanes are most common, um, and so when you have legacy media outlets uh, who just want to point fingers all the time, they don't want to take that into account, and that's what we're seeing with the Lee County evacuation order. And I think you know Ron DeSantis, the governor, I think he's doing a good job of just of of shielding the local officials and saying, look, you know, we can look back at it later, but we're not going to second guess people right now. This is what he said on CNN when he was confronted. And the question was actually, why are you standing behind Lee County officials for not issuing a mandatory evacuation? Like, well, I don't know if he's so much standing behind that decision. It's more just they made a decision that they thought was right. And I'm not going to second guess it right now as we're trying to pick up the pieces. But here, here is uh, Governor DeSantis. Some of their neighboring counties, though, did have mandatory evacuations before Tuesday. Well, right, but our neighboring, I mean, if you look at, like, um, Tuesday morning, they had moved the track down, models started showing it going to, like, Sarasota. You know, so, that's, that, so, so they did that. I was in Sarasota that day with them when they were expanding some of their evacuations. You know, Charlotte, I think, did the same thing either Monday night or Tuesday morning. Um, so, you know, but don't forget, Sunday... Uh, 11 a.m. advisory, it was going to go to Taylor County in North Florida. And so, you know, at at some point you got to look to see kind of where this thing is going. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think it I I think that it's um, it's easy to say in hindsight, you know, we had most of our supply station in the Tampa Bay area. As that track moved, we, we shifted our response further south as well. Now, we said there would be impacts for sure. And even when it was going to hit North Florida, it's such a big storm, there was going to be impacts in south, southwest Florida as well. But the difference between impacts 
and having the, the, the eye go there is much different. And for most of Sunday, Monday, and even in the Tuesday, it was 100, 150 miles away from them. Is that one of the things you'll be reviewing once we get out of the aftermath, people get their power back on, looking at those evacuation orders? Because even Lee County, if they would have followed their own evacuation orders from what we reviewed, they should have had that mandatory evacuation order sooner. <laughs> I love that follow-up question. It's like, no, you know what? Uh, once we're done picking up the pieces of what the hurricane left behind, uh, we're, we're just going to call it good and move on. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what, what, what do you think he's going to say? Anyway, right. here's the last 16 seconds of the clip. Well, but, you know, the issue, though, is also that there were a lot of, you know, they informed people and most people did not want to do it. I mean, that's just that's just the reality. So, you know, you're in a situation, are you going to grab somebody out of their home that doesn't want to? I don't think that's the appropriate use of government. I mean, I think that that, that takes it a little too far. And, and everybody living there knows that when the hurricane is going on, there are no emergency services. You know, if you get hit bad, you're on your own. Yeah. Most people know that who live in that area understand that they accept it. And sometimes they regret it. You know, I'm sure there are people who regret it. I'm sure there are family members of those who lost their lives who are angry that that person did not evacuate. But at the end of the day, I don't know what you want the government to do about this, because if somebody wants to stay, they're going to stay. And it can be incredibly frustrating. If you were listening back when Hurricane Harvey hit, I was incredibly frustrated with my dad for staying behind. Kept, uh, you know, because uh, he he had an opportunity to leave and he didn't, and he mm-hmm. wound up on the roof of his house, right, to be but, rescued, huh? Yeah, and to he had be to be rescued, rescued. then. Yeah. yeah, and so no, but I, what DeSantis is saying is, and I think this goes back to a lot of the ideology that go along that goes along with the left is government pulls you out of your house and forces you to go. Yeah. You're going to do what's best because we tell you this is what's best for you. Right. I mean, DeSantis isn't like that. He was like that with the vaccine. He was like that with a lot of other things. Yeah. Like, so, hey, man, no, it's, you know, not up to me. Yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I know in entertainment news, you know, history was made over the weekend, Scott. I know you were Again? very excited about this. It was historic. There was a romantic <sighs> comedy called Bros. Oh, yes. That, that came out. And uh, this is a romantic comedy, and they're saying it's like the first romantic comedy to get the wide release uh, that is uh, featuring two gay dudes. Yeah. As like the love interest and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Now, it flopped. It, it made less than $5 million out of a $22 million budget. Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 was a, it was a big disappointment at the box office. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One is because I don't think romantic comedies played the same way they used to. Because no. there are about a million romantic comedies on Netflix. They all suck, but I personally believe most romantic comedies suck anyway. Yeah, so there whatever. aren't many good ones. I mean, no. Amazon, between all the streaming services, if you want to watch a rom-com, you can find one. You don't have to pay the fare to go to a movie theater anymore. And then, you know, there are people who are just kind of tired with getting beaten over the head with the whole LGBTQ, LMNOP, you know, all that all the activist stuff. I think there are people who are just kind of tired of getting beaten over the head. They're not homophobic. They don't hate gay people. They're just kind of tired of it. They just don't want to see it. Right. Okay, whatever. Okay. I don't really want to care. Uh, well, one of the guys behind the film and one of the stars of it, Billy Eichner, no. uh, he says, well, straight people just didn't show enough support. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> movie didn't suck it was us no you know, no no it yeah. was all of us that didn't uh, go yeah, yeah he goes rolling stone already has bros on the list of the best comedies of the 21st century well yeah of course rolling stone's gonna say that that's woke central man yeah 
Uh, and then he said, just the world we live in, unfortunately, even with glowing reviews, great Rotten Tomato scores, and a uh, cinema score, etc. Straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros. And that's disappointing, but it is what it is. Well, another thing, this Billy Ike is it Eichner? Yeah. Billy Eichner also tweeted out before the movie opened, he didn't want anyone who voted for Trump to go see it. Right. Okay. They didn't. Right. That's what you said. I mean, dude, right now, already the box office returns have not been all that great outside of basically Top Gun. Yeah. And then now the movie Smile did pretty well. I saw it did $25.5 yeah. million or something. Um, yeah. it, it's done very well for a horror movie, especially. Um, and I mean, you're talking about misreading the moment right now in, in the movie world. And one review I read was was from, oh, where uh, I think it was in Forbes. So again, not, not anybody trying to take pot shots at the activist crowd or whatever, who said his problem with the movie was that it kept stopping in its tracks and letting you know, this is historic. <gasps> These are gay guys in this movie. Right. And he said it just when it when it was allowed to just be a romantic comedy, it was a pretty funny movie, but it just kept trying to remind the audience of how important it was, which is exhausting for people. Who wants to go watch that movie? Well, no, and when you're the chief dude, the actor and the and the writer in Eichner, yeah, proclaims early on, I don't want half the country to even go. I right. don't want your money. Well, they didn't give you the money. They did exactly what you wanted them to do, you dope. Right, exactly. Yeah, so what do you think's going to happen? I mean, it used to be Hollywood was trying to be all-encompassing. Yeah. Let's make money. Keep your politics to yourself. Not anymore. Yeah. You got him out there railing against it and then blaming me because I'm homophobic because I didn't give him any money to go see his comedy, which I don't want to see anyway. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a movie out with gay guys. I didn't even know it. I well, didn't know it. Well, the other, the other uncomfortable truth is that, and, you know, nobody wants to talk about this, but, you know, romantic comedies, the primary audience is women. Yeah. A lot of women who really don't want to see two gay dudes fall two dudes, in love. Two dudes. They just I, don't. It just I mean, it's not it that is. they're homophobic. Live right. and let live. But they don't, I'm not going to give them my money. Right. It's, no. It's kind of like, eh, yeah, I just don't really want it. There's nothing really appealing to them about that. Go see about creepy people who smile and freak right. me out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'd rather see yeah. that. Right. <laughs> there are LGBTQ themes in that one. <laughs> yeah, Fine. Well, Sign I me know. up. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. Creepy audio from the United Nations. You got to hear this. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. You know, Scott, we keep hearing over and over again in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian that somehow this is uh, all because of climate change, right? Yes. And I'm wondering, like, where does this actually come from? Because the actual experts at NOAA and elsewhere are saying, well, we actually don't have any evidence that strongly supports that, that there are more uh, powerful and frequent storms as a result of climate change mm -hmm. like the experts don't say that but people on cable news do and so i'm wondering okay where does this come from now i thought this was an interesting side story to this whole thing and maybe an answer to that question of where it comes from 
So the U.N. Secretary for Global Communications is bragging about how they've molded reality by controlling the Internet. This is uh, Melissa Fleming at the World Economic Forum Sustainable Development Impact Meetings, one of these other conferences where oh, I got it. You know, the rich and powerful get together to talk about how they're going to control the world and how they're going to control everybody else. This is somebody, again, from the United Nations bragging about it, and it honestly is some of the creepiest audio you'll hear today. You know, we partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world you know, should know it, and, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but, again, it's, it's, it is, um, it's, it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. We will wow. decide what is true. That is stunning. And we will force big tech, we will force all of these sources of information to give our version of reality. You will bend the knee. Right, because you will bend the knee. I, <laughs> I mean, I mean again. What what exactly was so concerning about a discussion about climate change? I mean, the idea, the the fact of the matter is, leaders around the globe are willingly driving their economies into a ditch over the idea of climate change. You know, we talked a little bit about gas prices in California going up. And one of the reasons or the chief reason they're going up again is because there are so few refineries left in California. Well, that and corporate greed, you know. That. Right. Well, no, it's not corporate greed. It's no. because, well, it's oil and gas producers have said, right. OK, well, why in the world would we invest millions and millions and millions of dollars into upgrading to meet their so-called, you know, quote unquote, climate goals uh, when the state of California is also telling us you're not going to be able to do business in this state within the next couple of decades. So they're bailing. And so there are only 10 refineries left in California, and four of them just happen to be offline right now. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have this historic increase in the cost of gas in the state of California. So, again, you know, th this is a really important topic, and you have the United Nations and other world leaders saying you can't have a discussion about it. Because if you're paying more at the pump, they see that as a net good. Because that means that you're buying electric cars from their buddies, from people that they're connected to. That means that you're willing to sacrifice yourself for their benefit, not for yours. And they're openly talking about and bragging about and really not understanding how downright evil they sound when they're talking about controlling information. We own the science, is what she says. Well, you... You're pushing out. If you're talking about Hurricane Ian right now and saying it's because of climate change, you're not act you may be owning the science, but in that case, the science is wrong. You're pushing disinformation. And it's all designed to make sure that, like you said, we bend the knee. So people's yeah. information sources are telling them things that are not true. And they see that as a good thing. That's why it is. It is just I, I know I have wow. a, a tendency no. to lean into conspiracy theory land, but this is frightening, especially because you have so many people right now 
telling millions of Americans that Hurricane Ian hit Florida because of climate change. Yeah. Which it didn't. But anyway, that it's just creepy. This but is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin show. Oh, well, biggest story of the day to me, I think we just we just hit it. What were you gonna say? No, I'm just no, I was just gonna say, you know, it science is disagreement all the time. Oh, of course it is. It's evolves. It's not settled. It's it's it evolves. Yeah. Well, and, that, and I mean, we we but you can't have an alternative view at all. Yeah, I mean, you can't even have one. You can't think one. No, it, it's it's incredible. And I, again, I'm not a denier that. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's there's stuff happening that shouldn't be happening, no doubt. But like you mentioned earlier, the infrastructure doesn't exist to hold this up. Yeah, it's not feasible at this point in well, time. It's killing the economy. Yeah, it's it's ruining lives. We're yeah. supposed to just take it because. But if of... we said that on Google, they wouldn't they'd <laughs> right, pull it exactly. off, right? Yeah. This is the Marketing Van Camp and Rock. Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. He's seeking equity for hurricane relief. That's what he's doing. He's <laughs> how does he do that? He, he's well, he's taking the day to check his privilege, Scott. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. that's where it starts, huh? That's where it starts. You got to take a okay. day off to check your privilege. Uh, got it. Vice President Kamala Harris uh was talking about how they're gonna approach relief efforts for Hurricane Ian. And this is pretty remarkable here, man, because, you know, it's got to be based on equity, you know, okay? It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making. And so we... Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. <laughs> what are they going to do? You know, you walk up to somebody's house that's been utterly destroyed by a hurricane and they've got like a color swatch. Do you, oh, hold on a second. You're a little bit too pale there on the spectrum. You're going to have to wait. Sorry, Whitey, try again. It, it's very remarkable to have a vice president out there talking about distributing relief funds uh, based on race. Mm-hmm. But here we are. And I thought it was funny that the FEMA administrator was asked about this on Face, uh, Face the Nation yesterday. And... Was, and and really sidestepped the question about whether or not you know what what Kamala Harris said was accurate, and you can tell nobody really wants to confront this because it is so indefensible. But here's here's the 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 
the best crack at it, you could say, from the FEMA administration. Yeah, look, Margaret, I was on the ground. I was on the ground Friday and Saturday. I was uh, assessing the damage personally and talking to survivors. There are a lot of people that are going to need assistance as a result of this. And one of the things that uh, I have known and I have experienced responding to other disasters, that there are people that often have a hard time accessing our programs. There's barriers to our program. And one of our focus areas, um, since I've been in office is to make sure that we're removing those barriers so these people that need our help the most are going to be able to access the help that, that we offer. I know that the vice president and the president, they share these same values. And again, I was on the ground uh, Friday and Saturday, and I committed to the governor then that we are going to provide assistance to all Floridians because we know that there are people that are just completely devastated from the storm. We are going to be there to support everybody that needs help. Yeah, that perfect answer. Yeah, perfect answer. And, and you've, there's all this panic now you've created, Kamala. Yeah. That if people are of the wrong color, that perhaps they won't get help. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it helps to know that neither she nor Joe Biden are actually running anything. Mm-hmm. So they just go out and they're just trying to play to a crowd. That's what Kamala Harris was doing. Make right. no mistake. She was playing to a crowd that wanted to hear it. They're not directly impacted by anything that happened in Florida or the Carolinas. And uh, so they, they want to talk about their personal issue, their personal Thing that makes them get up in the morning and be miserable human beings, which is judging everybody based on race, whereas people on the ground actually don't have time for that. So, I mean, it does help to know that they're not actually running the show here. There are actually professionals who have been through multiple uh, presidential administrations who are on the ground and they're going to do whatever they can to help people in this situation, mm-hmm. regardless of the color of their skin. On a related note, though, uh, did you hear Bill Maher, liberal talk yeah, show I host, did, Bill Maher? I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know you. I you, tell you, he's making enemies, man. He's you, making enemies with that core audience. Yeah, you're and you're warming up to him. You well, like, I you know the thing about Bill Maher is, I mean, I think he's a smart guy. Um, I mean, he's obviously successful. He's been at this a long time now mm-hmm. in this business forever. But it, there was a time when he went off the tracks. Trump made a lot of people go off the tracks. Yeah. And some people are still off the tracks because of Donald Trump. Although he hasn't been president in a year and a half, they can't let it go. And they won't let it go. But Bill Maher is looking at, I mean, how can any, I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there now. I realize I may be jumping ahead a little bit. But how can anybody, I mean anybody, look at this administration, Kamala Harris in particular, we'll get to Biden in a second, but Kamala Harris, and say to yourself, that's a qualified, sharp, bright future leader. How can you say that? Right. You can't say not with a straight face. You can't. No, I mean and, you just can't. And so Bill Maher is now floating the idea that Joe Biden should dump Kamala Harris if he runs for president again. Well, and he's not alone in that. I mean it, that's that's been rumored for a while now. Yeah, yeah, here he is. I just think she's a bad politician, and I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't think I think she's a very bright person, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Just see, but I can see them doing that because a lot of the problem. With Biden being old is, oh, if he dies, then, you know, you're Mm going to get this person. Okay, so here's the problem with the Democratic Party. They're so boxed in by identity politics that you cannot conceive of a Democratic ticket that doesn't have a woman 
person of color on it, and pretty soon you're going to line up behind that gay Latino, and you're going to have to have, you know, a, a deaf Eskimo be, uh, <laughs> be the... Uh, <laughs> am, I, am I right that they are boxed in? Yeah, they are. He, uh, he is right on that case. They are boxed in by it. Now, you know, the counterpoint could be, you know, politics always does does come down to identity politics. And in some regards, that is true. And, and I think in that same panel discussion, uh, Van Jones, the weeper from CNN, uh, brought up that Donald Trump picked Mike Pence to be his running mate because Mike Pence could speak to the evangelical base in a way that Donald Trump could not. And so, yeah, and, and Joe Biden was picked to be the running mate of Barack Obama because, well, he would be able to reach the Rust Belt white folks. That was the thinking at the time. I thought that mm-hmm. was incredibly cynical. But, you know, there was the thought that, you know, working class union white guys were too racist to vote for Obama, even though a lot of them voted for Obama twice. And it wasn't because of Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. So there is an element of truth to that. At the same time. When you look at running mates, a lot of times you are trying to shore up maybe an element of the voting base that you'd be missing, but you are still wanting to pick a somewhat qualified candidate. Because like with Joe Biden running with with Obama, you you could at least make the argument he's going to be, as part of his role with the vice president, he's the president of the Senate. And Joe Biden had been in the Senate for 100 years. So he knew all the players, and so potentially he could be a good liaison between the White House and the Senate. Uh, You know, Mike Pence had had a ton of experience in government as an executive, as a representative. So so he made sense as well for uh, on a capability level, Mm -hmm. you know, running with Donald Trump because he kind of knows how the game works. With Kamala Harris, she doesn't really have those marketable skills. No. She won in California – because she was a woman of color and liberal. And she was picked as the vice president because she was a black woman. That Period. was it. That was the well, reason she was picked. Biden boxed himself in early when he made that proclamation. Right. I mean, he made the proclamation early on. Yeah. And, and, as, to use as like political leverage. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't actually going out and saying who actually could shore up the ticket, who could actually run a government effectively. It was just about the color of her skin and what was between her legs, period. That's and that, that's the identity politics that a lot of us criticize that is going on in the Democratic Party. Because it, it, it just doesn't matter what your capabilities are as long as you're checking a box. So, again, just in summation, you know, in, in broad terms, you can make the argument that all politics is identity politics. But at the same time, when you're make, you have to make strategic choices. And with this current president, with this current Democratic Party, they're not making strategic choices about who will actually do the best job. I mean, they picked Pete Buttigieg right. to be transportation secretary. Because seriously? he rode on a train once. Because yeah. that was literally what he said. He's like, yes. yeah, I, well, I, I was on a boat for two weeks, and I've ridden a train a couple of times. Therefore, I love transportation, and that, that qualifies me to run this, this outfit. The uh, same guy who couldn't fix the sidewalks in South Bend when he was right, the mayor. Right, the same problem. guy. You got, it, it, terrible. Yeah, I mean, but he was a gay guy, and here you go. Yeah, so whatever that 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 works. Yeah. Yep. I uh, yeah. So th- I think there is a key difference in this modern Democratic Party. Will they dump Kamala Harris? No, I think I think Kamala Harris will wind up being president, um, whenever Joe leaves.
but because uh, I'm still fairly convinced it may not happen, and I'll eat my words if it doesn't happen. But um, I I don't see Joe Biden staying in office after the midterms. I think at some point he's going to step down, um, and Kamala Harris will be president, and then they're going to start from square one with the primary process. But she'll oh, yeah. be there. They're not. Joe's not going to dump her. I don't. I don't see that happening because he's boxed himself in so right. much. Meanwhile, I just saw this uh, on a much lighter note. There is a writer for lifehacker.com who thinks that guys should start pee, uh, start peeing while sitting down. You know, I've heard this before. And he put out five arguments, okay? Uh, one, it's cleaner. Even if you're accurate, a 2013 study on the fluid dynamics of urination found that there's a lot more splashback when you're standing. Wait a minute. What, what did you just say? The what? There was a study on the fluid dynamics of urination. That's what I thought you said. Yeah. Holy cow. Well, you know, there's a study for everything, right? I know, right? I know. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Fauci's over there wondering how they can make that into a, uh, a gain-of-function uh, uh, virus research. If we have the bat virus splash back <laughs> during urination, it will spread more quickly in men's rooms. Anyway, number two, it uh, solves the lift, or I'm sorry, left the seat up argument. You never no, have to worry about putting the seat back down. That I will agree with, yes. I, I've never had that problem. It's not that hard to put the seat back down. No, I That I being said, either. I grew up with a sister who could kick my ass, so I learned from an early age that it's important to put that seat back down. And every important woman in my life has, yeah, made sure that happens, <laughs> yeah. Just a whipped dog, basically. Yes, right. Uh, number three, less noise. That. Uh, Noise? Oh, yeah, I guess. The, the splash? I, yeah, I guess some people mm. are self-conscious about that. About that I guess. I, I don't know. Everyone pees. Uh, yeah. It leaves your options open, like if you need to take more than just pee. Right? If you got well, dude, two it, my there. options are always open. With the, if, if I got a long line and that's open, I'm taking it. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's no different. Yeah. Uh, and, then he, and then number five was it's really not that much slower. I would argue it's a number. There, there's actually a sixth benefit to that if all men decided to start peeing while sitting or sitting down while peeing it would make adam kinzinger feel better <laughs> oh, i'll just man. leave it at that <laughs> daddy oh yes yeah he likes to sit when he pees uh, that's I what i've heard of. Uh, okay all right. right uh this is the markley van gaming Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. Well, Scott, we talked about this a little bit uh, last week. Italy has just elected its first female prime minister. Her name is Giorgia Maloney, and the left wants to make her out to be a fascist. Very tenuous ties to mm -hmm. a group that was kind of sort of a neo-fascist party in the 1940s and has since purged the fascists. But apparently she's a fascist. Interesting. Because she's uh, right wing. Now, MSNBC's Mehdi Hassan, get this, says that national media has given her too much of a pass. 
hadn't been critical enough of her. <laughs> I mean, it's remarkable here. Let's I expected the Republican right to embrace Maloney. They are at best, to quote the president, semi-fascist themselves uh-huh. these days. Mm. What's been so depressing is to see so much of the quote-unquote liberal media, the mainstream media, the MSM, giving a pass to Maloney or playing down her and her party's fascist roots, focusing more on the fact that she's female and less on the fact that she's, you know, fascistic. That has been deeply, deeply depressing to see. Yeah. Well, here here's a montage, if you missed it, last week of how the national media actually portrayed her. Yeah, I was just going to say, her. what is he talking about? Yeah. Okay, yeah. The woman expected to become prime minister leads a party with roots in neo-fascism. Roots in Italy's post-war fascist movement. Roots in Italy's 20th century neo-fascist movement. Neo-fascist. Neo-fascists. The most far-right government in that country since Mussolini. Since Mussolini. Since Mussolini. A red flag, if there ever was one. A red flag. 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 But this guy's like, yeah, yeah, they were focused too much on how she was a woman. No, 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 no. They were calling her a fascist. They were calling her Mussolini light. They were saying that this has echoes of even pre-war fascism in Italy, comparing her to not only Mussolini, but also then Hitler. Sure. Well, you got to throw Hitler in there. Well, of course, yeah. Because I mean, it's no good without Hitler. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what? Got to do that. Yeah, because when when the media decides to wet their pants, yeah, uh, Hitler is the go-to comparison right. always in, in in all forms. You it's, ever heard the word fascistic? Fascistic? Uh, no, yeah. but like something you put tartar sauce on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to use that word. I'm like, what is fascistic? <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> I was gonna say that's like to me that's. That that that's a term that your doctor would use when there's bad news about a mole on your neck. Right. right oh, right. I'm sorry. It's fascistic now. Oh, doctor, oh, are you no. sure? What do we do about this? Well, we've got treatments available. But, that's right. You know, you should get your affairs in order because it's never good when it's fascistic. <laughs> but we'll give you penicillin. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's actually the term <laughs> for for uh, for uh, monkeypox. Uh, that's it. Know, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, those boils that are. On your butt. Those are fascistic. I'm sorry. Really. We're, we're going to have to be aggressive with antibiotics and steroids. All right. Oh, my God. Treat this. <laughs> Saw this little survey. New poll asked uh, what people or what things people wished they could do freely in public without being scolded. The number one thing was commenting a stranger. Commenting a stranger? I'm sorry, complimenting a stranger. Oh, complimenting commenting a stranger. on a stranger. Okay. I mean, I don't know. That can be kind I've of appreciated. That. Well, of course you have. Well, I, know, I mean, I have. Hey. Yeah, because you're a creep sometimes. Or I'll, the guy will have a baseball cap on that, like an Oakland yeah. A's hat on or something. I'll go, hey, man, cool hat. I mean, it, it, you you know. it, all, it all depends and on what you're saying. I can also say nice sweater, too. You yeah. Know. I mean... You can't just like walk up to a lady and be like, "Hey, nice boobs." You know, no, no, no of course not. No, no that's that's creepy. But you can compliment people. No, you got to say breasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You need to get that mole checked out though, because it's fascistic. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show.
the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. Boy, man, there's a lot of heavy news out there, not only the hurricane in Florida, and we'll get back to that in a moment, uh, the, aggression, uh, the aggression that Russia is displaying. That would be aggression, it, it, though. I, aggression. I like that. yeah, That's I'm, a new term, and I like it, David. I like Stay that, yeah. It. Russian yeah. aggression you is too hard to say. You fell into it, but right. Aggression yeah. is perfect. Uh, yeah, aggression. Yeah. I, there you go. I, I, like, I like it. That. Yeah, it's good. I like All it, right, too. Cool. Yes. All right, we got that settled we down. We got a new word. New t-shirts on the way. But, but there is something else I want to get to. And to set the stage, remember last week we heard the audio from the DA in Philadelphia. This is another one of these reform guys. He wants to do restorative justice, and that means being pro-criminal. Yeah. Instead of actually doing your job and trying to keep people safe in Philadelphia. And he's doing an interview on the local Fox television uh, affiliate. And Larry Krasner is his name. And uh, remember, this is what he said about crime running rampant in Philadelphia. There are multiple things going on in the system, but it has never been the case before until we had reform prosecutors where people tried to blame just one entity. We all have to work together, and the reality is that we have been more and effective. And you are a reform in- district attorney. Everybody, everybody in the country knows that. But maybe it's not working. It is working. The reality is that There's our convic- a thousand people killed in 20 months. The, it is working. It's working. Yeah, thousand schmousen. Yeah, whatever. It's working for who? Then I see the stories, man. Uh, Like Chicago, uh, another place where soft on crime policies have taken root. I mean, you had thirty-four people shot over the weekend in Chicago, including a three-year-old boy who was killed. You know, can I just say this because this is so true. You're a parent. I'm a parent. Yeah. If your child knows there's very little consequences for bad behavior as a child, they're going to do bad things because there's very little consequence on the other end. Oh, sure. I'm going to give them a stern talking to, you know, there's no consequence. You're a bad parent. You're a bad parent if that's what you're doing. Adult-wise, there's no consequence for the crime, so let's commit it. What are they going to do? I'm going to be out by, by supper time. It, with no bond, it, they have to have, I don't have to post any. I'm going to get lenient sentences because that's the way it works. Yeah. There's no punishment here. There's no consequence for crime. I mean, This is not brain surgery. No, it's not. Am- among the children shot and killed this weekend was three-year-old Mateo Zosko, who was riding in a car with his mom and three siblings when gunshots hit him during a suspected road, ra- uh, road rage incident God damn on Friday night. Yeah. It's so sad, man. And then yep. you see, like, Portland is another perfect example of this. Just looking at KGW's homepage right now. One of the headlines, we're in a war. It says tires are slashed on more than 50 vehicles in one northeast Portland neighborhood. And handwritten notes left on some of the vandalized cars threatened neighbors if they called the city or the police. Two dead and separate shootings Friday and Saturday. Portland sees four homicides in 24 hours. Portland's yeah. old town endures two deadly stabbings within hours of each other. I mean, th- this is it's insanity. This is insanity. Yeah, and you're dealing with it. And, and you've got people in really influential positions in law enforcement, like district attorneys, like, uh, like uh, prosecutors at the county level, uh, who are are just saying that it's working? What they're doing is working. 
it's sad, man. And I saw uh, the mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, put out another statement on Twitter saying, oh, yeah, well, we're, we're going to do everything we can to crack sure down on the violence. La, la, la. When people, were, when people were raising the alarm bells back in 2020 during the summer of love, people mm-hmm. were warning about this. He marched with the rioters. He sided with the criminals. The only time he really got tough on rioters and the anarchists in the street of Portland was when they tried to set up an autonomous zone right outside the building where he had a condo. Right. Once it started affecting him, then he said, no, we're not going to be like Seattle. We will have no autonomous zone. And yet you just, you, you still are siding with the criminals in every other action. I mean, when he went to the courthouse during the summer of love and he got, remember he got tear gassed? Yeah. Uh, uh, because people were lighting fires. There was literally a fire raging. He said, I didn't see any riot. Or, I didn't see any rioting. I didn't see any arson going on. It was like 20 yards away from him that there was a fire that someone had lit. And the first thing this jackass does is go on CNN and talk about how Donald Trump's the bad guy in all of this. These sick people put their political preferences above safety, above the safety of the people they're supposed to be serving. And then they want to lecture to the rest of us about systemic racism and all that. You know who most of the victims are in these cases in city after city? They're black and brown people. They're Hispanics. They're, they're black people. And, and they have the gall now as these leaders to say, well, now we need to all come together. I'm sorry, you called me a freaking Nazi when I said that crime was getting out of control. Doesn't work this way anymore. I'm not interested in working with you. Ted Wheeler, anybody who had their fingerprints on the chaos that's going on in Portland right now should resign in disgrace today. And the same thing goes in Chicago. The same thing goes in New York City. I don't care what major metro it is. But if you're in the grips of this violent crime wave after years of talking about restorative justice and ignoring what common sense people said was going to happen and now saying, I don't know, nobody told me this was going to happen, you're an idiot and you should never have any position of power ever again. You should apologize and resign. Well, the thing is, too, with people of means are fleeing the city because they can. Absolutely. They don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. And and according to them, again, the same people, it's racist, it's white flight, it's all these things, right? right. No, if you've got the ability, to ha- if you've got a family, you've got kids, you've got, you got people you're responsible for, you're getting the hell out of Dodge. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, I mean, what are you, stupid? I'm not going to sit around here and wait to get stabbed. No. You know, I mean, naturally. Yes. And, and it's so sad because I remember in 2020, <clears throat> in 2020 uh, there was a business owner that I knew operated in downtown Portland, who was closing up shop, said, I can't, can't do it because no one wants to come down here anymore. They were one of the first to leave when it really got bad in 2020. <clears throat> and when I said that, I told that to somebody, and they didn't believe me. Right. They said, oh, well, it's the, it was the pandemic. It was the lockdowns. Well, that didn't help either, but that's a different policy decision. Remember when there was a Trump supporter who was murdered in the street? Uh, by somebody who said they were 100% Antifa. Mm -hmm. That person wound up getting shot and killed by the police officer, by police officers as well later. Um, That execution in the middle of the street happened just down the road from 
this business, where this business had been. And so, yeah, this affects real people. And it's sad because Portland and, and Chicago, I'll include any major city that's in the grips of, what's going, of the chaos that's going on right now. There's a lot of beautiful cities out there. And the vast majority of people who live there just want to live a happy and healthy life. Yeah. We can have political disagreements, and that, at the end of the day, doesn't really matter. They have, these leaders have thrown them under the bus because they think it makes them woke or because Donald Trump was so bad and we need to get rid of him and uh, or Republicans are bad writ large because, oh, well, we're, I mean, we're, we're just, uh, you know, we're trying to look out for black and brown folk and all these Republicans just want to kill them. Right. No, a lot of Republicans wanted to save lives and you just call them Nazis for it. Again, you should apologize and resign in disgrace and never seek public office again. I don't want you managing a Dairy Queen. Hell, I mean, half these people are trust fund kids. Just go live off of that. Mm -hmm. Get out. Leave. Because you're useless when it comes to protecting people, when it comes to running a city. You disgust me. All right. right. That's enough. <laughs> that's well. That's that's fine. You just echoed, I think, the the response from a lot of different people right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the amenities of a city. I love it. Oh yeah. I mean, I love the culture involved in the cities. I love the entertainment. I love. I love. I mean, I love. I love cities. I'm a country guy. I grew up in a country. I'd go back mm-hmm. to the country. But I mean, I love the cities. I just don't want to be able. I want to be able to walk down the street and not be feared that I'm going to get yeah. whacked. Right. You yeah. know, for well, my cell phone. Yeah, go for a night out, and, and you know, yeah. if something does happen, you want to make sure that that person is punished, and unfortunately... Right. and they're not. And, and again, yeah. this, this child who's spoiled continues to act badly. Yeah. Yes. All right, on, on a lighter note... I'm going to run on that platform, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm... Well, we'll have to face off in a primary, because I'm going <laughs> a, baton to the back of the skull. Well, maybe we could run That's as a my tandem. Platform. Yes. A chicken in every pot and a baton to the back, of, the of, back of every skull of for these criminals who need to be... Put in check. There you go. All right. Tired of this, man. Uh, Well, a new study is out on a much lighter note. uh, Found the average American swears 21 times a day. That's like 21 times an hour for me when I'm not on the air. Yeah, me too. Uh, Some do it a lot more than that, though. Uh, The cities that swear the most, number one was Columbus, Ohio. Really? I I never would have guessed that. I don't know why, but I just never never would have guessed that Columbus, Ohio Hmm. had that. I don't know if that's an Ohio State thing. I don't know. uh, Las Vegas came in at number two at third. Yeah, I can see that one. Yeah, I thought that Las Vegas would be number one, but no, they they wound up uh, second at 30. Jacksonville, Florida at 28. But yeah. Uh, And (laughs) there were some other stats here on the swearing habits of Americans. Uh, oh, by the way, Portland actually was uh, tied for the least amount of R-rated words. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, surprising to me in that, in that regard. Uh, the place where you're most likely to use choice words, well, that's at home. 55% of us do most of our swearing at home. That's true. Uh, work is the top place we want to swear but hold back. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah, I yeah, I tend to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't. It depends. Well, if it's just you and Jamie, I don't care. Right. But if it's down the hallway or something, probably not. Yeah. The number one person we swear at is ourselves. Now, I know Jamie's not here to defend himself, but that is true for him. He does it a lot. It's yeah. that negative self-talk. We got to we yes. got to get him to stop doing that. Yes. Not not healthy. Uh the universal things that make us want to swear when we hurt ourselves. Yeah. 
Yeah. When we have road rage, yeah. Yeah. When we get bad news, yeah. Yeah. When we're cracking a joke, yeah. When yeah. we're arguing, yeah. Check. And when we get good news, yeah, yeah. that's true. That's blank and great. <laughs> right, exactly. That's, yes. that's what I said when, when I found out my wife was pregnant the first time. Yes. I said, yeah, that's great. And then when she was pregnant again, I was like, ah, my bank account. Oh, no. And I cussed for a different reason. <laughs> We're till 90 now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Gavin Newsom falsely claims that California gas prices are due to corporate greed. We'll get to that and much more. This is the Mark Levin Camp and Robin Show. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Danny Markley is on special assignment. Well, uh, more bad news on the gas prices front. Did you see that OPEC Plus, these are, this is the cartel of major oil-producing countries? Yes, I did see this, uh, yes. A lot of them are not uh, exactly friends of ours. No. Uh, they are meeting this week, uh, and they're talking about pulling a record amount of oil off of the market to try to protect their bottom line didn't joe go there to uh try to stave this off yeah that's why he was uh fist bumping the uh crown prince yeah. of saudi arabia didn't he bring like a gift bag and <laughs> well, i don't know about that all, maybe all sorts of things a shiny new bone saw so he could more easily <laughs> chop up dissidents i'm not sure yeah. yeah uh but yeah so he debased himself and 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 probably going to be facing down the barrel of another major spike in gas prices. Now in California, it's already started in some places. Yeah, yeah, it has. And and for different reasons, but all around the country, yeah, gas prices are starting to inch back up little by mm-hmm. little. And in California, it wasn't inching back up. It was a massive spike. Yes. Um, and the governor of the state, Gavin Newsom, says, well, that's just because of corporate greed. You know, when we hear the word disinformation applied willy-nilly these days, this is actually disinformation from Gavin Newsom. But here's what he put out over the weekend. Gas prices in California have increased by a record 84 cents per gallon in just over one week. That's a $2.50 difference compared to U.S. prices. It just doesn't add up. The degree of divergence from the national prices has never happened before. And oil companies, they provide no explanation. The fact is, they're ripping you off. Now, now see, that's actually not true. And the reason why you have this historic divergence between California price spikes and the rest of the country is not only because gas prices are already higher because of state taxes, uh, but because of, it, it's because of regulations. Because they are regulating uh, producers out of the state. So right now there are about 10 refineries, I think, in California, mm-hmm. and four of them are offline for uh, for maintenance issues. Like, I think there's one that got flooded. Um, but at any rate, other major companies are pulling out of the state of California because of the uh, environmental regulation in California. It doesn't make it worth spending millions and millions of dollars to upgrade their facilities to stay in California. So they say to hell with it. You're just going to have to import it from somewhere else. 
And so if one of the 10 goes offline, that's a major issue for the state of California. Right now, you're talking about four that are offline. Also, the ones that are uh, in service right now have been uh, transitioning, I think, to biodiesel, which is a lot less cost effective and the output is nowhere near traditional oil and gas. So or oil, I should say, products. So, I mean, they are they are regulating themselves into making oil and gas not worth it in the state of California. It's not corporate greed that's at play here. Mm-hmm. So he's just lying to people. And he no, says, of course. And his solution right now is to propose a, uh, a tax, another tax, on oil companies. Uh, that would be a windfall tax. So if they make excess profits, then they're going to be taxed on that. Well, who gets to decide what that level is? I These mean, guys. really. And then where does that money go? That money's not going into your gas tank. It's probably to fund some other green weenie stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, it's, all, it's all just a lie that they're pushing out there. But the scary part to me is that there is at least a chance that he could be president someday. Well, I was just going to say that. That's weird. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, he'll run. He's going to run. So right now you got high taxes and high regulation that's to blame for high gas prices in the state of California. And he thinks the answer is more regulation and more taxing. He wants all the rest of us to suffer just like they are. Right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. Uh, biggest story of the day. Uh, I mean, there are a few that are that are going out there or going on out there. Of course, uh, we're thinking about the state of Florida and the yeah. cleanup efforts mm-hmm. underway right now after Hurricane Ian. Um, coming up, we're going to hear uh, what Joy Reid from MSNBC had to say. It's a day that ends in Y, so it has something to do with race. Of course it does. Yeah. So we'll get to that. Uh, also, you got your big trifecta coming up. That's the top three stories of the day, yeah. according to one Scott Robbins. Uh, so that's coming up. Looking forward to that. Uh, and we have another news update on the way that we'll get to. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. We got the big trifecta coming up. Uh, well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis set off a wave of pearl clutching because he warned people to not loot in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. <laughs> you know, we were just talking about this too. We were talking about the looting on Friday. I remember that. Yeah. And like, you know, if there, you always get this stuff after these types of disasters. Happen. Oh, yeah. Because. Bad people come in and want to do bad things. And so, I mean, and I'm glad DeSantis said this. Like, you might get whacked if you pull that nonsense. Yeah, here, here is what the governor said. 
we want to make sure we're maintaining law and order. Uh, don't even think about looting. Don't even think about taking advantage of people in this vulnerable uh, situation. And so local law enforcement is involved in, 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 in monitoring that. You know, I told Kevin if the state needs to help as well, uh, because you, know, you can have people, you know, bringing boats into some of these islands and trying to ransack people's homes. Um, I can tell you in the state of Florida, uh, you never know what may be lurking behind somebody's home. And I would not want to chance that if I were you, given that we're a Second Amendment state. Well, yeah, that mm. and, you know, mm. gators and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, all well, that, too. But but yeah, so uh, MSNBC's Joy Reid. Again, it's, oh, a, it's here it, we go. It's a day that ends in Y. So, of course, here it's racist. Go. Of course it is. Uh, she wrote on Twitter, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Segregationist Miami Sheriff uh, Walter E. Headley, 1967. Didn't take DeSantis long to return to form. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of sad that she immediately equa- equates looters with black people. You know, I was going to say the same thing. Like, what do you mean? What are you talking about here? <laughs> I mean, you know, like, lady, what are like, you talking about? Y- you don't think there's some like Jethro out there is thinking about trying to steal stuff? Well, of course he is. <laughs> I mean, that of course he all. is. Why do you yes. automatically assume that he's talking about black people? Yeah, well, right. That's right, because that's very racist. Yes. Oh, that's the world she lives in, though. It's, of course it everything is. Everything has to be about That's her race. shtick. That's like her bit. That, it is. and she's, that, That's like her bit. She is that's, one of the most racist people on television right now. That's her stairway to heaven. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. she, people expect it, and she gives them what they expect. Yes. Well, it, the craziest thing is, as I was watching some of the replies, and again, I mean, comments on Twitter, that's where, like, that's where good feelings go to get tied up, you know, have their mouths duct taped over and just oh, beaten yeah. to death. I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's a cesspool. But I did not realize that a popular thing now on the left is to say, again, I don't know how widespread this is, but I did see some actual reporters or people who call themselves reporters saying this. I didn't realize how popular it was to claim that there was no looting in the aftermath of Katrina. They... Yeah, there are actually people who say that, no. that looting didn't happen in New Orleans after Katrina. Yes, it did. Sure it did. Yeah. <laughs> it's, there was, like, video of there's it. There's video of it. There were, yeah. ma- I mean, I mean, multiple reports on it locally yeah. and nationally. Yes, Absolutely. It, it happened. But they, they're like, well, it was overstated. O- okay, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I mean, well, it that, might have been overstated. I don't know. But I, I, don't, I don't know what the final numbers were. But, my God, it was going on. I mean, yes, it was going on. Of course it was. Yeah. But, Jeez. yeah, apparently it's racist to remind people that there are a lot of folks in Florida who are armed and on edge right now. Yeah, so, not to mention gators like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. and, and you know, we actually found a real example of a shark on a street. Did you see yeah. that video? Yeah, because every time there's a hurricane or flooding, somebody cycle you know recycles this old uh, photoshopped image right. of of this shark fin on a major freeway or something like that, and yeah. so and that's fake. It's not real. But in this case, in Florida, there was actually on one of these islands that Gosh, got hit. Dang. There was actually a small shark that had been washed Golly, up into man. what looked like was a neighborhood. Wow. But, yeah, I mean that just more shows how underwater a lot of those places were man i mean it's 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 heartbreaking and crazy you know but, and on, on the on the positive side i guess it, i mean i'm seeing today a lot of images too of a lot of brave people rescuing people yeah. i mean a lot of that going on well yeah and I mean, i've also seen a lot of a lot of these rescuers bringing people and their animals with them yeah 
That's pretty cool, too. So, yeah. I mean, the whole thing, I, I mean, it's, people, generally speaking, will always do the right thing. They just will. Well, oh, I, I think so. I, I think you are. You do have yeah. some bad apples, and it's important to crack down on that and remind them what happens if you if you get caught doing it, and that's okay. But there are, you know, nothing brings out the good in humanity like a tragedy. It, it, it's and, true. I mean, and, you see it all the time. I mean, there's going to be knuckleheads. There's going to be people looting. Yeah. And there's going to be people getting full filled full of lead doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's just going to happen. Yeah. But if there's a fear that maybe if I go in there and steal something, I might get shot, maybe that'll prevent somebody from doing it. Yeah. Which I is good. We're all about yeah. saving lives here, okay? That's Don't right. Do all right. That's what we're doing. Uh, are you ready for your trifecta? Absolutely. All right, let's, let's go. roll. Are you ready? One, two, three. Look at my shoe. It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. All right, I don't hear you for some reason. That's because my microphone was turned okay, off. Okay, there. Scott, I saw yeah. your lips moving, but I heard Sorry, nothing. I had, a, I, had a, I had an issue. A, a looter came in and stole my mic button. I thought maybe you had a sock puppet you were going to bring out. (laughs) (laughs) It is the trifecta top three stories of the day, according to one Scott Robbins. Uh, Usually Casey Kasem's along for the ride, but he vacations with Markley. And so Jamie Markley's out of pocket today. All the time. And the ghost of Casey Kasem is gone. So we'll count him down three to one in honor of Casey. Uh, Number three, uh, the Arizona Republican candidate for governor, Carrie Lake, you you tell me gave a master class on media management. Yeah, she was with... uh... Emerson and Palmer, too. So Terry Lake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to be a certain age to get that one. But anyway, uh, if you remember, the media loves to pull out the, the gotcha game, too. Questions on abortion in particular. Yeah. They l- love to do that. Uh, so they tried it with Carrie Lake, and she was ready to go. The argument you're going to hear is a master class, I think. All right. But also, it is what we've been saying for a long time. Define what you mean. Yeah. Define what you mean. And she did it. And here we go. Tell me, abortion is effectively banned in the state right now. Tell me, do you is that something that you support? I support saving as many lives as possible. And what I really want to know, and I've been waiting, I tune into you guys all the time. I want to know where Katie Hobbs stands, but I never hear you guys ask for that. (laughs) I'm pro-life. My plan would be that every woman who walks into an abortion clinic know that there are options out there. They don't have to choose that. Thank you. There's families who would love to adopt a baby. And right now, the way it's been going, mm-hmm. they go in and they, they only have That's one it. option. That's it. Nobody True. tells them that there's other options. Yeah. We want to help our women. If they're afraid, we want to help them. True. We want to give women health care. And I want to help people. But I really challenge you, and I'm, I'm happy to get back to you on this, when you find out where Katie Hobbs stands, because let me tell you where she stands. She supports abortion right up until birth Thank and after you. birth. That's right. She supports if a baby survives a botched abortion that that baby die on a cold metal tray. And none of you ever try to get her to talk about her stance. So get back to me after you do. And tell her. Uh, I want to debate this topic on October 12th, but she really needs to show up for that debate. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that is pretty good. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is how you take these dopey governors in a lot of these states who are failures, who have no business winning anyway, but they're running on this like we knew they would. Mm-hmm. But ask them where they are on this. Yeah. I mean, I want to know where you are on this. 
I mean, like she said, she just described the position of Katie Hobbs perfectly. That's her opponent. She thinks after birth even, you can just let it die in a metal tray. It's fine. And if you want to, if you want to stand up there and tell the voters this is where you are and where you stand, good luck with that. Yeah, the problem is, is that if that's that, ghoulish, man. Yeah, a- any time that gets asked, is you have Democrats say over and over again, "Well, this is really a decision between the woman and her doctor," and they skate on that. Yeah. And in the context of a debate, unfortunately, uh, because they move on very quickly, oftentimes, is you never really get a chance of. Uh, for a good follow-up to say, okay, but you are going to be tasked with regulating this. Yeah. Where is that limit for you? Tell Where me what it? that limit is for you. Yeah. And yeah, they don't want to say it. Democrats don't want to say it because you're right. It's ghoulish. And most people do. Now, again, you look at the polling and most people are not behind an all out abortion ban. No, they're, no, most, they're not. Most people no. are not. Once you start talking about p- past 15 weeks, then people get very squishy. And yeah. certainly moment of birth yeah, or in a botched abortion to just yeah. kill the baby. Yeah. That's a whole different ballgame, man. But a lot of these Republicans just tiptoe around this. Right. They don't tiptoe around it. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're going to pin it on you yeah. that you're anti-woman and anti-choice and all this stuff, ask them where they are. Clarify your yeah. position. All right. It's that's, the, okay. That's yeah, all I want. And I think her and DeSantis should do workshops on how to handle the media <laughs> yeah they should they, they should yeah they should workshop it yep all right it's the trifecta top three stories of the day according to scott robbins number two we touched on this a little bit on friday but uh, a vermont girls volleyball team has been banned from using the girls locker room because they didn't want to change in front of a boy who says he feels like a girl right uh, randolph high school's girls volleyball team banned from their own locker room the officials at school are investigating a conflict involving a transgender student on the team. The education policy says students can play sports and use the locker room corresponding to their gender. But some members of the girls' volleyball team objected to having a guy pretending to be a girl inside the locker room while they were changing. It's a huge thing. Everybody's asking, so why aren't you allowed in the locker room, said Blake Allen, who along with their fellow teammates are currently banned from using the locker room, after some of the girls on the team objected to allowing this boy to change clothes in front of the girls. They were naked, and he was naked. I'm sorry. What do I call? I don't even. Okay, he. It's a guy. Yeah. That's a guy. For the purposes of this story, it, this is a boy who's changed because it's reality. It's reality. And these girls are high school girls, and they will be damned if they're going to be bullied around like that and yeah. pushed around. It's just accept it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the school district, and they're kind of hemmed in by state law, but the school district is saying, yeah, you all have to use the uh, single-stall bathroom and whatnot yeah. if you're changing. But it's right. like, no, 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 it's a lot easier for that boy to, to do go it. change yeah. somewhere else. You know? Yeah. And, and again, this is just reality. This is where playing pretend doesn't work anymore because it's affecting young girls, and they deserve privacy as well. I 100% agree with you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, where? What are their rights? Yeah, I mean, where are they? Yeah. God. Uh, all right, it's the homeschool. Homeschool. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Exactly. If my daughter were to come home oh, and yeah. tell me, "Oh, yeah, by the way, we have a boy changing in the locker room, and it kind of makes me feel bad, but I don't want to say anything," uh, she's out of that school immediately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I feel the same way. Yep. Uh, all right, trifecta, top three stories of the day, according to Scott Robbins. Number one, no. 
Yes. A Hillary Clinton advisor says that Hillary Clinton's running for president again. That's right. Dusting oh, off on. the old uh, Bill Clinton playbook, criticizing the Biden administration's open borders policy, putting herself in place for a 2024 presidential run. That is according to veteran political con- consultant Dick Morris. Morris, former aide to President Bill and Hillary, said she's setting herself up to enter the race as a moderate choice for Democrats. I see more and more signs that she's going to run. She's whispered to some friends. And uh, he said uh, "I uh, she doesn't believe in open borders, and that's going to be one of the big selling points to prove herself a moderate. Not an extremist, not a knucklehead, like what's currently going on in the yeah. Democrat Party. Uh-huh. And I can't be happier. If Hillary Clinton chooses to run, good. Yeah. Good. Um, I will say, if it's, if it's DeSantis as the nominee... I think yeah. DeSantis has a good shot. If it's Trump, Trump loses. To Hillary. To Hillary. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with you on I, that. We'll take some criticism for that, but Well, no, I'm not I'm not saying I'd go and vote for Hillary Clinton. No, over, I, I'm over not Trump, either. But I'm but... just saying that, you know, the media will pit this as a revenge tour for Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, right now, I don't know who else the Democratic Party puts up there that could actually even come close to forming some sort of coalition. She might be able to do it. She might. But, you know, I don't know. Stranger things have happened. But I I do think if it does come down to Hillary versus Trump again, they'll win. Or she'll win. I mean, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah, like, well, no, I I 100% agree with you on that. Anyway. All right. So that's the trifecta top three stories of the day, according to Scott Robbins. We got Nimrods in the news coming up uh, and a news update. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Man, they are really just trying to go after Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, after this hurricane right now. Politico has a piece out. I'll just read one line from it because okay. we don't have a lot of time. Ron DeSantis has been a critic of Biden on nearly every policy front, but he sure does like the president's wallet. Talking about Ron DeSantis cashing in on federal money. Oh, I heard somebody suggest it's socialism. He accepts socialism now. No. <laughs> now we love socialism. I was like, what? Are you insane? <laughs> okay. So there's relief money that's on the table that's promised to him, and yeah. he's not supposed to take advantage of it, or Biden is supposed to withhold it because apparently it's Biden's money. It's not Biden's money. It's our money. It's American taxpayer dollars Yeah, that are set up and, and distributed based on need. That's the purpose of these programs. You want to have an in-depth conversation about curtailing these programs that whatever Ron DeSantis is getting money for, uh, then we can have that conversation. But until then, it's ridiculous to be like, oh, well, now he's asking for federal help. Idiots. Just idiots. They're they're so desperate to make this guy out to be Hitler or something. I mean, it's so 
dumb. All right, we got Nimrods in the news. Feels like we already did it. Yeah. When the did. going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. Oh, Nimrods in the news. We actually do start off in Florida. 59-year-old woman named Terry Lynn Johns got arrested on Saturday for pulling a gun on two people waiting in line for gas. Oh, my. That's terrible. You know, times are tough. People are waiting at the gas station, and apparently Terry Lynn thought that uh, people had cut in line in front of her. So she pulled out a gun and pointed it at them. This was in Fort Myers, which took a direct hit from the hurricane. Oh, boy. But it turns out they weren't actually trying to cut. There were several cars, and they were just trying to turn around. Oh. Well, she's been arrested. Yeah. You can't just pull a gun on somebody like that. No, no. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show.